Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Man Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman here, Logan Paulson there. He played 10 years in the NFL, six in Washington, none for the Giants. You have to wait a couple weeks for another <laughs> Logan Paulson Bowl. But don't worry, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, Christmas Eve, San Francisco, final one of the year. Uh, I host the Hoffman Show each and every day, well, at least the weekdays, on the team 983 to 6 p.m. Spent five years before that on the Commander's Beat. So, Logan, uh, today we talk about the Giants game number one coming up this weekend, bye week next week, then you get Giants game number two. I'm guessing that doesn't affect the strategy at all, at least not this week. Like It's not like they're going to no. hold back. It's not preseason. Like This is a must-win game. Every game is from this point yeah. out in the season. It's just kind of a weird quirk that happens in the schedule that the NFL decided to throw in there. Yeah, it is a really really odd thing you know and I, if i'm new york i'm probably like a little miffed by the whole thing because it it's you get to kind of run your game plan like you would on a short week you get data from the game then you get a full week to extra week of preparation for the giants again so um that second game you know was probably going to be pretty tough for the new york football giants especially because they're playing philadelphia in between yep so um you know if, if washington can win this first one i think they're in a really good spot to win the second one and if you can win both these games and lap the giants like that's um that's a pretty big deal in terms of making the playoff and you know what kind of opportunity that would be for this team. So, um, really weird scheduling quirk. I can't remember ever hearing of anything like this. Um, maybe you have more familiarity with it, but it um, just either. seems like a very weird, like almost faux pas by the uh, by the NFL in terms of scheduling. But you know, good good thing for good for good thing for Washington. I think it puts them in a really good spot to to do some good things, especially if they can win this game up in the Meadowlands, which, you know, obviously is not a foregone conclusion because weird stuff happens uh, when Washington plays up there. Yeah, uh, weird stuff happens in that stadium all the time. Uh, Giants also are coming off of the extra rest. They played on Thanksgiving, so they've got a bit of a long week coming into this. Washington, of course, coming off the Sunday win over Atlanta. And when you look at Washington's offense against this New York defense, it's a tough group. Like They've got yeah. some really good players, especially up front. Uh, their rookie, Kayvon Thibodeau, is starting to really come on as well. Got a ton of pressures on Thanksgiving. Hit Dak Prescott a bunch of times. Uh, but their back end is also super banged up. So there's it, they've got good players, but also it seems like a lot of opportunities. Where do you think the most important place to start is? Um, go, yeah. go back to front or front to back? Well, I definitely think the front is probably the most important place to start. I think the um, you know the defensive line, specifically Dexter Lawrence, is a guy that is just 
uh, you know, he's playing like one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. And I feel like we say that every single week. He plays true nose guard in that way, but he's just found a nice groove, a nice niche when it comes to stopping the run. He understands how to play inside, outside zone, which the guy like John Ridgeway, who's also playing nose, is is kind of learning how to do. So it took him a couple of years, but Lawrence has done an excellent job of that. Really the best piece on their defense. And then he's evolved quite a bit as a pass rusher. I think um, when you look at him rushing the passer, he understands in those relationships with the center, like how to beat the outside pad. And it's nothing overly sexy. It's just like, I'm big and strong, but I also have got a little bit of athleticism. So let me turn the shoulder. So I definitely think in terms of matchup this week, him versus Tyler Larson in every single situation is going to be absolutely huge because he's he's just been playing really consistent football. When you look at his PFF grade, I mean, I thought it was a glitch because it's like 90s all the way down. And for those of you unfamiliar with how PFF grades, like a 90 grade is basically like elite to super elite type player. So that's kind of how, like, I have not seen a grade this season on PFF that's been as consistently high as his in the blue. So yeah, that's just to give I, I think you an idea that of how Cam Curl, whenever Cam Curl was like the number one safety uh, in the league, like on average, their grades, it was like low 80s. So yeah. for a guy to be in the 90s that consistently, it's absurd because at other positions, you have guys mid 80s that are best in the league. Balling, right? And so it's so it's kind of unbelievable. Like that's just how well he's playing. And so he's the big piece next to him is uh, Leonard Williams, who again is a guy more like DeForest Buckner in terms of skill set, long arm, kind of athletic, rangy, and he's a good football player, grading in the 70s according to PFF. But I think there's a guy there that you can kind of exploit in terms of running at him. He likes to gap release. He's big. He's fast. He's athletic. He's a much. He's a good pass rusher. So really, kind of a dynamic duo there, much like John and uh, Payne here or um, Duran, you know, uh, in terms of good defensive tackles. But I think Leonard freestyles a little bit more and exposes them to some gashes in the run game. I think their edge players are okay. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is coming along. You mentioned some of the pressures he had against the the, the Cowboys, for example. I think those pressures are a little bit inflated because of the scheme that Wink Martindale runs. And we'll talk about that more because I think that's maybe the biggest piece of what they do is the Wink Martindale system. But Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously a tremendous athlete, definitely finding his legs. But in terms of pure pressures that he's creating on his own, not quite there, but definitely someone you have to be aware of. Um, so I think that's that's for sure it. And then the other guys on the other side are just kind of – they're fine. You know, big body kind of edge players – Nothing too crazy. Uh, their middle linebacker, it's Jalen Smith, who's the guy that got kind of run out of town in Dallas and run out of town in Green Bay. I think he's playing better, but obviously uh, is somewhat limited. Um, and then they have a rookie, uh, Mitch McFadden, who, again, is a rookie player who I think is playing well. But obviously you see some limitations. And again, I think this whole front outside of Dexter Lawrence is elevated and in some cases hurt by the scheme that Wink Martindale runs. And that applies to the secondary as well. So what is the scheme that he runs that is so dangerous? I mean, he's a guy that's got a tremendous reputation. Obviously, they're, they are way above where a lot of experts, pundits, certainly us included, thought the Giants would be this year. There's a lot that's gone right for them, but it, mm -hmm. it is a bit on a razor's edge uh, sure. offensively and defensively. But defensively with Martindale, like what's the thing that, that yeah. is so precarious? And I think, you know, in our preview of the division before the season started, we said like the biggest additions for this group were on the coaching staff and Wink Martindale yeah. was kind of big asterisk, big highlight there for us. And so, um, and I think he just is a guy who's very, very, very aggressive. You know, most defenses are trying to like, oh, how do we match this concept? Let's like, what what's our check? And they're, they're a little bit more reactive. Um, but I do think that um, 
Wink is like, nope, you know, I'm dictating the tempo here. We are going to pressure a lot. We're going to bring some type of single high coverage with some type of blitz underneath, mostly a dog, which is like, you know, they run a um, an odd front. So they've got those three, three big interior defensive players and the edge players. And technically those edge players are classified as outside linebackers. So when you bring all five of those guys, that's technically a blitz. So they're bringing that kind of pressure a lot because they want those guys on the edge to rush a lot and they get those one-on-one matchups. But they also bring a lot of exotic stuff. They bring nickel safety. They they green dog. They bring zero. And if I think if you guys think back to um, the Chicago game, the um, Detroit game, Detroit brought a ton of zero and we just did not have a very – the commanders did not have a good answer for it. So if I'm Wink, I look at that game and I say – I'm going to turn the temperature up and just see what happens. You know, I'm just going to see what happens. And the other thing that I think is interesting is we mentioned that their edge players were just okay. We mentioned that Leonard Williams kind of gap releases. He kind of technically technically plays over the tackle in their defensive structure, right, as opposed to a true three technique. Um, and so attacking the perimeter of this team is going to be much better for the run game. But all of the stuff that they've been success with, successful with over the last couple of weeks, the commanders I'm talking about, has been this duo downhill a gap run and you're running at the best part of their defense if you do that consistently so do you change that what's your plan for third down what's your plan for first down because he'll bring zero wink will bring zero like you know most teams are like oh we're going to bring zero on third and seven plus because we like the matchups for the corners he's like no i'll bring it on first down oh it's second and four yeah i'll bring it here too so there's not right. really like a lot of rhyme or reason to what he i mean i'm sure in his mind there is but when you're watching it there's not like a pattern that unfolds and then on they play a ton of man, which is crazy because Corey Jackson's hurt. Fabian Moreau, who's their number one – not is that Fabian Moreau's name? The guy that uh, was Fabian here. Fabian Moreau, yeah. Yeah, it was here, um, is also hurt. So they're playing a lot of man with guys who are not overly talented. Like their safeties are okay, right? So it's just like it doesn't seem like it makes sense. But that, I think, is the beauty of the defense when it's executed effectively is that you can create pressure and force the ball out of the quarterback's hands before those matchups on the outside, which favor the offense traditionally can be actualized. Now, if you look at the Dallas game, for example, it, like he was heating them up in the first half and it really was kind of befuddling to Dax. They didn't have a good solution. And um, more the def- the offensive coordinator for Dallas base was like, all right, well, we got to, we got to hit, we got to hit a big play on one of these zeros. And so they just stayed max protection. They didn't have the horses outside to match up with CD lamb. They catch a big play for like 40 yards. And then they, they kind of quiets down the zero stuff. So what is Scott Turner's plan for the zero? That is like, the, I want to say one of the main storylines, not because they do it a lot. I mean, he did it 10 times, which is a lot by NFL standards against Dallas. But if I'm watching the Detroit game and I'm wink, and this is what I like live and die by pre- heavy pressures, zero specifically. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I bring it every play, but I'm going to definitely up that percentage pretty significantly. Yeah, and it puts their corners in bad spots um, yes. because if you can pick it up, I mean, CeeDee Lamb had a field day against what number 30 uh i'm trying to remember what is which guy that is their depth chart is so i think it's mcleod um, yeah, their depth, depth chart so all over the place yeah. because they've had so many injuries um no but it's not nick mcleod it's it whoever 30 was uh for yeah them, darren right? darren holmes or darren, darnay holmes darnay, he's thank yeah you. he's he's fourth on their on their depth chart uh that is yeah darnay holmes um he got toasted by lamb time after time and you know because he's like he's their slot guy and mm-hmm. dallas is like okay we'll just put cd in the slot and you know even if you're going to heat us up cd is going to beat this guy so badly he's going right. to win so quickly that it's not going to be a problem if you're 
you know, if you're Scott, one, do you even give Taylor those kinds of options where you, you know, whether it's Curtis who can win quickly, Jahan can win quickly, Taylor can, or uh, Terry can obviously win quickly, and you just trust Taylor to, to be like, hey, man, find 30, find, find the mismatch, find your guy. Because Taylor's numbers against man are way better, better than they are against zone. Like, it, it's two different quarterbacks. When he can pick out a matchup and be like, I'm going to trust my guy to win, and he knows exactly what route that guy's running and, and can just anticipate and trust him to win, like, he's a better quarterback. When he's got to sit out and read zone and figure out, all right, this guy dropped here or cut underneath here, I got I to gotta make this throw in a tight window, like, it's it's not pretty. Um, and so do you do you even put that on Taylor knowing he's better in those situations and and also that he's mobile enough and, and quick enough to avoid some sacks or do you just be like screw it we're going to keep running the ball exactly like we have been you can blitz away but eventually we're going to pop one because your guys aren't good enough and aren't disciplined enough to stay in their gaps and we trust our guys to to hit the blocks and we do enough with our run game to to pop yeah. a few big ones here and there you know we can they you know Scott should be able to use their aggressiveness against them you know whether it's uh, some of the jet sweep stuff that Dallas did or you know that obviously Washington has been doing um or or whatever other counters off of some of these run plays some of the play action shots uh, do, you, do you just kind of stick with the plan or do you go, you know what? I think we can maybe dial it down a little bit, give Taylor some chances to make one-on-one throws and hit big plays in the same way that Dallas did. Yeah. I mean, I'm really, uh, you know, you got me thinking now, Craig, and I, I love having these conversations with you because like it kind of stimulates something different. So like my initial perspective on this game was like, just, just be conservative, just be as conservative as you can be because like the defense should match up really well with Daniel Jones in this offense, technically on paper. And we'll talk about that more in a second. Just don't lose the game, be more conservative, but then you bring up an excellent point. Like Taylor, obviously the percentages that speak to that too, but also you see he is almost, he's better, you know, like look at the Tampa Bay games, both Tampa Bay games. Um, Todd Bowles is a guy who likes to bring pressure, not the same types of pressure as um, Wink Martindale, but, likes to bring a lot of pressure and Taylor kind of seems to rise to those occasions. Like when he's not overthinking it, when the ball can be out decisively, he's pretty good. You know, he's pretty dang good in those situations. So, you know, I was a little bit nervous about how the offensive line was going to handle it. But I think when you look at where he's been successful this year, it's been under pressure and getting the ball out of his hand quick. Right. And so I think that maybe, maybe to your point, like that speaks more to Taylor's skill set. Now, I don't think you want to live in that, you know, 15, to 30 times a game. But if you can say, Hey Taylor, here's 10 opportunities, go make the right decision, get the ball to your hand quickly. I think that is where you want to live. Right. Cause you know, again, it's not every play is not a blitz. It feels like that sometimes, but it's not, it's not as like there. So if you get them to win in 10 man to man situations plus, right. And then he kind of manages those other 15 throws like he did last week where he's ended up with 25 throws in the game against zone or some variation. I think that's right. The other thing about blitzing all the time, as you mentioned the run game, is when you're blitzing all the time, sometimes you get caught, right? So a lot of times there's like a line movement associated with the blitz. And sometimes guys will get walled out of their gap because like you're running right into the blitz, the double team hits on the guy looping, and there's huge creases. So if you watch the Dallas game, for example, there's massive creases in that game. And I think that's part of the reason. Because when you look at their personnel, you think, man, they should be pretty good at stopping the run. You know, like they've got pretty good edge setters. Their interior is pretty good. But they, they get gashed because Wink is so aggressive, right? Because he's always bringing these pressures. So I do think you want to stick 
with who you are. And like you mentioned the variation, I think that's a really critical part. Like you look at Dallas, they kind of lull you to sleep with something. Then the counter is the thing that hits you with the big play, not the counter run, but I'm saying like the counter or the complimentary piece to the run that they've been calling a lot. So if Scott can do that, which he's shown, which he showed to me last week, he can do, I think that bodes really well. Um, and also I think the other thing is just like, do you change your running approach? Because like I said, duo versus this team doesn't feel like the right decision, but they're so good at executing it. I don't want them to take take a big departure from things that have been going well, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, and, and I think that one of the things we've talked about is like Taylor is less relevant than most quarterbacks to what the offense does because they've taken so much off of his plate, which is a good thing. Yeah. And they shouldn't all of a sudden be like, hey, let's put a bunch back on right. his plate. That that would be a very stupid way to operate. Um, but I, and, and then the other thing too is like, I think you also, like you said, have some, some blueprint, not only from the Dallas game, um, but from the Detroit game where yeah. you have two teams that have two backs that are kind of different styles and, and you know, one a power back in Zeke or Jamal Williams, one more of a speed guy, Pollard, DeAndre Swift. And they were really effective. Like both backs had really big plays that they were able to get in those games. And if, if you can, you know, kind of lean on that formula, figure out, okay, well, we think Robinson can be effective here. We think that Gibson can be effective here. Like we're talking about one of the bottom third run defenses in the NFL. So I would think that there's plenty of opportunities there. And then you get your play action stuff. Then you also, you know, and the other thing too with Taylor real quick is like, because he knows this offense so well, can you put a little bit more on him mentally and can some of these runs and mm. say like, Hey man, if you get, if you get a man to man look and you like it, go for it. Right. And, and you don't give him that all the time, but in certain situations where you think you might have a blitz in a man to man situation in a matchup you like on like a second and four where you still have a, a third and short, if you miss it, like those are the kinds of situations where you can take your shots, take your opportunities. And if Scott really like kind of masters the situations this week and Taylor can handle that, it seems like there's an opportunity for this offense to be pretty productive. Um, obviously, you know, as we'll talk about, you don't necessarily need to be great. It's not like the Giants are going to put up a ton of points theoretically. Um, but and obviously giving up short fields and turnovers would be very, very bad uh, as they always are. But it seems like if they can kind of master the situations and guess guess slash have educated guesses right on what Martindale's trying to do, there should be a lot of opportunities in both the run and pass game, but it, it will still stay starting with this rushing attack that has been so good for Washington basically since week three. Right. Yeah. I think, I think you bring up some good points there and you, and you reminded me of something while you were talking. Um, this team, the Giants, are not a great tackling team. Usually teams that play a lot of zero coverage are very good tackling teams. And, and why that is is because what you're, what, you're, what you're counting on is that the ball is out of the hand quick, right? Is that you get some type of line stun or pressure that forces the back to bounce out. And he's, as he's bubbling, you make the tackle. The thing that really sticks out to me is even though they, they're, getting, they're getting the ball out quickly, right, um, is that when they rally to make the tackle, they often miss the tackle. So there's a couple, I think it was against Baltimore, where they heat up Lamar, right? Lamar is just kind of on his back foot throwing the ball out. There are defenders rallying to tackle. The guy slips a tackle and then falls on like a third and 15 for a first down, right? So you mentioned the bigger backs there. I think that is something, again, to look at because they're not 
especially on the perimeter, they're not great tacklers. You know, they're not guys who are trying to stick their face in there and mess you up. So I think that is something to think about in terms of running style from the backfield. And also, again, in terms of getting the ball out of your hand, like Terry's one of the best in the league at breaking tackles. Curtis is very excellent in that area as well. So being okay with saying, hey, maybe we check the ball down here and and kind of, I don't want to say count on a guy to break a tackle, but much like you did against Jacksonville, get the ball out, let those guys make a play for you in space. That might be a viable solution as well. So kind of to your point about Taylor finding the right thing, I think because their tackling is so poor in certain situations, it doesn't need to be the perfect call all the time. And you can say, oh, just get the ball out of your hand and then let's go ride and see what happens. So, again, I think that those are all very viable, valuable points. Um, and, you know, Scott has not shown a tremendous desire to, to even with Carson kind of have a lot of cans and a lot of quarterback control in the run or pass game, which, you know, like uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with that if the quarterback can handle it. Like, cause I came up with Kyle and Sean right. and like, they want to give those guys that responsibility because it lets you be in a more efficient place. And when you watch the New York offense, Daniel Jones does a ton of that. When you watch Atlanta's offense, Marcus Mariota does a ton of that. That's one of the reasons the run game for them is so good. But, um, but it, one of the benefits of not doing that is it lets the quarterback kind of play loose and free and fast. So if, if that's the goal, then it allows Taylor to play free and fast. Then I think that's the right idea by Scott, as much as, what you're describing there in terms of, um, you know, giving him more control um, puts the offense as a whole in a better position. Maybe it makes him a little bit less comfortable. So it's just something to think about. I, I, don't, I don't think they'll do that because they haven't done it, but this right. would be an excellent week to do it because you want answers versus zero specifically. Yeah, definitely. It, it just seems very situational, but you know, they also, oh, you know, so yeah, sorry. Go ahead. We haven't talked about what zero is at all on the show. So yeah. should we just talk about that real quick? Yeah, so zero zero blitz is is uh you know if you think of one high as having one safety to cover two or two high having two safeties back or, or one or two deep zone players, right. right? Zero is zero is none of that. It's it's man to man across the board uh, for as many receivers as that is are eligible and everybody else blitzes. That is that is cover blitzes. zero. There's no there are Help. no zone players at all. Nevertheless, any zone players over the top. Right, so there's no help involved in that. And you do have variations of zone where like a defensive end will drop out and be kind of like the plug player or like the guy in the middle of the field to kind of give those guys some help. But on the whole, it's like you and me solo. And usually like the advantage of one high, for example, is you can kind of leverage the receiver towards that single high player, kind of play outside leverage, force him inside, condense those soaring windows, let that uh, middle field player run to the football. In zero, it's like... Good luck. We're you know, like you're, 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 you're by you too. You truly are by yourself. And now there are rules to zero. Like you want to force the receiver toward the sideline because the sideline's basically an extra defender. All those different things. But it becomes very, very challenging. To and plus, that's a longer throw, right? You want to force right. long throws in zero. But again, like with given, it's so interesting looking at them because you look at their depth chart and you're like, Adora Jackson's excellent for this, but then there's nobody else, you know, like there's nobody else that's really outstanding, but those guys are, and I think it's, I think credit goes to wink and how he coaches the blitzes because they are able to get home. Cause there are teams that run a lot of a fair amount of zero, but they're not as coached up on it in terms of the timing, in terms of, you know, all these different variables and they can't, um, they can't get home with the pressure. Right. And, and teams get it blocked up. That's not the case with this team. Like they're very, they, they know who they are and they're very good at it. And uh, it, it pays dividends for them because it's covered up a secondary that's not great. 
Right. Uh, they do commit a ton of penalties as well. They're sixth in the league in penalties overall. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of those are procedural penalty, penalties on offense as well, but like Dallas game, there's a ton of defensive holding. There's a ton of illegal contact. Um, so if you get Jahan Dotson and, and Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin on these corners that aren't very good in cover zero situations where they've got no help, they're going to grab, they're going to hold. And, you know, whether or not that stuff gets called could have a big impact on the game on Sunday. So knock on wood, if, if that turns out to be a story that those calls are made correctly in Washington's right. favor. Right. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.